Hello, and welcome to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett, where we talk about all things financial, focusing on helping you plan, keep, and grow for a successful future. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you're tuning in again, welcome back and thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. Today, we are talking diversification. We've all heard that grandma says, don't put all your eggs in one basket. But what does that really mean? We highlight the three main areas of diversification, account types, time, and investments. Lastly, we share what are the indicators that you are diversified. If you have questions about any of the items discussed today, please reach out either by email or phone. My name is Garrett Smith, and we look forward to having you with us today. Here we go again. Hi again. Good to be here. Welcome back. Today we're talking kind of a little more complicated of a topic. Simple in understanding, Mm -hmm. very difficult in practice. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's diversification. Yeah. You know what does grandma always tell you to do? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. (laughs) Because if you drop the basket. (laughs) Uh, I always wondered, did they actually walk back to the farmhouse with three different baskets? I don't don't know. All the eggs went in one basket. I'm sure they did. But, you know, everybody knows when you say that, though, right? I mean, it's like a... Yeah. It's like a... It came from somewhere. It came from somewhere. <laughs> um, one, one, I also think kind of another phrase that always sticks out is concentration can really significantly build wealth, but diversification helps you keep it. Keep it, yeah. You know, if you think about usually it's, you know, somebody started one business, explode, you know, the Steve Jobs of the world starts, mm-hmm. you know, works in Apple and it just becomes this behemoth and that's how he becomes wealthy. And so concentration can really work for you, right? but it can also really work against you. Yep. You know, if you own one company, most companies go broke over time. Mm-hmm. And so your, your odds of going broke go up significantly. And so diversification is just spreading risk across multiple different areas. And it's not just investments. There's kind of three key areas that we look at for diversification. Um, the first one is just kind of the account types that you're in. It's particularly the tax types that you're paying, mm-hmm. you know, tax deferred, tax free, taxable. The other one is diversification across time. You know, you, you need money today as well as you need money tomorrow. And also diversification in investments. And that's kind of the three main buckets we think about diversification. And the idea is to just spread that risk so you're not taking one big concentrated risk or most, the biggest risk I think you're diversifying against is the unknown future. Right. Nobody knows what tomorrow's going to bring. Yeah. You know, we know, I, anytime somebody claims to know what they know, I always say, go back to COVID, you know, it was right. a recent memory of just caught an entire globe by surprise, particularly yep. how people reacted to it, governments and, and different things reacted to, to the news. And so you diversify just because there's so many things you don't know. Yeah. Things change constantly. I, I mean, it, it's just, just new technologies and you know, different ideas. And, and so you just have to, you know, you really do have to just kind of, kind of look at what's available and, and just kind of spread things out just a little bit for sure. Yeah. And your life changes too. You know, I, I don't know how many, uh, you know, a hundred percent of the clients that we build one plan with, it's outdated the minute they go out the door Yeah, because they're like, ah, you know, this thing just came up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because life happens. Yeah. Kids change, you change. Yeah, you, you make different decisions and it's a good thing. And so having sure. diversification can help you not only sleep at night, but just build some flexibility and robustness in, in your life because you're not 
at the whim of just one big bet. Yeah, it just makes it easier to adjust things as things change, which is guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. Which is one, I think one reason why we always start with like an emergency fund, you know, diversification is kind of like the buffer in the system. Mm -hmm. Gives you that flexibility to make those changes without costing you really time is what it costs you. It costs you in dollars, but those dollars took time to accumulate. Right. And so when you, when you go backwards on the dollar cents, it's kind of costing you time. Right. uh, Because it needs to be rebuilt either through you know, compounding interest or through higher savings rate or through reduced spending. That's kind of the only ways to get there. Yeah. Um, so the first area I kind of want to highlight is just that diversification in account types. Mm-hmm. Um, the tax code is always changing. You know, it's at the whim of politicians and who's understanding how it's being enforced, what's the guidance, what's being told. And, and as those, uh, and so if you can have the flexibility of different uh, uh, tax accounts, then it gives you that option of when to pull where. So kind of the three main buckets are tax deferred accounts. Mm-hmm. So you get the tax deduction today. So you don't pay the taxes on the money. It grows tax deferred. And then when you pull it out, you pay the taxes then. So you're paying taxes in the future in lieu of paying them today. The other bucket is the tax-free bucket, which is usually Roth is mm-hmm. kind of the main name that you hear here. And it's you, you pay the taxes today and then it grows tax-free. And when you pull it out, You don't have to pay taxes on it, assuming you follow all the right conditions. Right. And then the last one is kind of the, was just a a traditional taxable account or or what I just call the pay-as-you-go taxes. Yeah. This falls into capital gains, some ordinary income. Um, It's just you kind of pay the taxes as you go and as you make money along the way. And we we tell people that the, the, the best scenario when you hit retirement is to have, you know, a reasonably sized bucket in, in all those areas, you know, a, a, have a big, uh, you know, account that's uh, been tax deferred. So when you pull the money out, you got to pay taxes on it. Uh, have a reasonable sized Roth uh, tax-free account that you can just pull on and, and, uh, and then, and just the non-qualified account. And if you have all three of those, then, you know, you really can, you know, kind of to a certain degree, manipulate your, uh, the amount of income taxes that you pay. Yeah. So, you know, you, you take out the, the first amount you take out of that um, uh, tax deferred account. So, you know, maybe you take the first 50 or $60,000 out of the tax deferred account. And then once, depending on the tax bracket, once those taxes get into that 20, 25% area, then you pull it from somewhere else. You can still get the same amount of money. You just don't have to pay taxes on it because it's coming out of your Roth IRA or out of your uh, pay-as-you-go account, so to speak. Yeah, and that so that's great flexibility, especially as you know, likely if you're at least ten years away from retirement, at least you know, likely tax brackets will be different. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, the tax brackets will be different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, having that flexibility allows you to navigate those changing conditions mm-hmm. because you control where you pull them from. So it's a great thing in retirement, but it's also a great thing as you go. You know, sometimes we have emergencies that eats up our full emergency fund and you have to dip into the savings a little bit. Well, if that's all in a Roth or a, a you know, tax deferred account, there can be penalties if you take yep. them out before 59 and a half, you know, assuming you don't meet some qualifications. But now on top of the taxes you have to pay, you've got to pay this additional penalty. But if you kind of have that pay as you go tax account, there could be an option to pull out of there and not incur, you know, as much of a setback because you're not just carving off as much to Uncle Sam. Right. Yeah. So, so diversify 
the 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 type of taxation of the accounts is the is best practice for sure. Yeah, and it it also I think the last point there is it allows you to save in the best area that's that's for you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're in a high income year, you can save in some tax deferred. If you're in a lower income year, you can save in the in the tax free bucket. Or, or if you're the, younger, you're gonna you, you know you're gonna yeah. want to emphasize that Roth savings. If you're a little older, probably your income's a little higher. You're probably gonna hit that uh, tax deferred bucket a little bit harder. Yeah. So, so it kind of allows you to pull those levers, not only in the distribution side, but also on the saving side of mm-hmm. where does this maximize my options for me? Right. And builds the most flexibility. So that account type, I think it's often overlooked. People just kind of pull the trigger and I've got this account, so I'll use yep. this account. Um, and so it's always worth when you're looking to save or spend a dollar, where do you put it or where do you take it from? From kind And of you can uh, overuse uh, any of those, you know, oh. if you're not careful, that, that that's why we wanted to bring it up is you, you know, if all your money's Roth, um, you know, you've probably paid too much in taxes over your life. If all your money's in deferred, you, you know, it's not going to be very efficient coming out. So, you know, it, it's just, it's mix and matching at the right time and the right amounts. Yep. Then you end up landing where you want to be. And, and that kind of leads to the next point of, and we've kind of touched on is just diversified across time. And this really comes down to liquidity. You know, the biggest uh, idea of this is that emergency fund is you Mm -hmm. need to have funds available today as well as funds available in the future because you need money all through your life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people, it's easy to get too strong one way or the other. I'm going to keep all my money so I can spend it today, not save anything for the future, or I'm going to oversave for the future and not have any money for today. And so it's balancing those two kind of the diversification across time of when you need the money. Yeah, it's interesting. I had a phone call with a client the other day, and it, you know we see this sometimes uh, in marriage relationships. You have one that's a saver and one that's a spender. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and how to you know how to navigate getting on the same page. Some people are, you know, wired like me. They're kind of in panic mode all the time. Is <laughs> is there enough? Is there enough? Is there enough? And and uh, other people just. You know, if there's five bucks in their pocket, it's that's enough, you know, yeah. and, and they're looking for something to buy. And so those are obviously the extremes. But, uh, you know, that that's, um, you know, they're there. You know, you really need to do the math to really land on a happy balance there also. Yeah. You know, I think this it comes up, particularly if you're like a farmer or a business owner, it's really easy to tie up a whole bunch of dollars into some assets. So you're wealthy on paper, mm-hmm. but you got no cash flow mm-hmm. to, you know, there isn't any cash flow to help you kind of cover those costs today. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you can be, you know, what's the old saying, land rich, cash poor. Mm-hmm. Um, so just keeping that in mind is you're always managing your cash flow through the course of your life of having some for today, as well as preparing for the future. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always a balancing act and it changes near daily. Yeah. That's what <laughs> And uh, so, so yes, not account types diversified across time. Um, And then the, and the last one, which is where most people's mind go when you talk about diversification is, well, what do you actually buy? What do you actually invest? Right. So this is where you get like stocks and bonds and farmland and uh, real estate and, you know, cash or commodities, you know, there you turn on the TV on the finance channels and, you know, there's a gazillion things it feels like you can buy. For sure. There is a gazillion <laughs> things. <laughs> and so I, I guess what's the main idea behind the diversification of, of your investment? So this is once it's inside the right account, mm-hmm. what do you do with it once it's in there? 
Yeah, diversification of of uh, investments is, you know, I think it's, you know, it's it's really important. Sometimes it seems like we get so focused on I got to maximize my return. I got to maximize my return. And so uh, sometimes we have a tendency to just kind of chase the latest and greatest and and what performed best over the last, you know, three months or a year, whatever the whatever the time may be. And, and really, uh, the effect of diversification is it, it, it will, it's never going to, if you have a properly diversified portfolio, you're never going to have the highest return portfolio, right? By definition, you can't because you're diversified. <laughs> and, and so when we diversify, we're going we're gonna to dilute our, our returns on a year-to-year basis, but we're also going to not lay any big fat goose eggs either yeah, that's if you goal, right right yeah so that's why you do it so it's going to smooth out the return so don't expect to have a diversified portfolio that's just hitting home runs all the time because it it's just you know it's just not going to happen and and some people are really wired to maximize performance and and uh, to be honest we don't really want those clients because they're never satisfied because they're always chasing something. Because there's always something that's outperforming. There's always something that's better. Unless you're picking the one great stock for the year. Yeah. Or the one great. Yeah. Well, you know, even rewinding to, you know, like a year like 2022, maybe it's like the one great cash account for the year. Yeah. (laughs) The one great cash account for the year. Exactly. (laughs) And so, you know, you've got to be looking across a lot of different areas and and being very concentrated. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, if you're, if you want to be that high pick performance chaser, yeah, that's what you're banking on is that I can pick the great thing this so year. So you have to have maximum concentration, meaning you know, like all your just eggs in one basket. All your, all your eggs in <laughs> in one little teeny basket. Lots of eggs in one teeny basket, and then just uh, hope you make it across the rough grass. Yeah, which there are some people wired that way. Yeah, you know they 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 are here. They're usually those hedge fund star guys that you yeah. guys or gals that you see on TV is what they're least selling whether they do it or not it's a different story but that's but as a pitching. fiduciary for our clients we are you know that's just an anti what you know what we're well it's supposed it's, to do well so. and it's also not how we see the world right you know there's getting a capital base getting those first ten thousand hundred thousand dollars saved takes forever yeah and so there's you know there's some preservation that needs to go along with growth as well right um you know, if so, I think it's just how we think and view the world, and how we've, you know, been convinced through kind of long-term investing ideas of, of being able to spread those out across different asset classes, so that there is preservation through the ups and downs. And this comes in, it, it's highlight, it's important through your whole investing career, but it's highlighted when you get in the distribution phase, mm-hmm. because one of the a, a massive risk in when you're taking money out of an investment portfolio is taking money out through a prolonged down market. Right. You know, when you get two or three or four years of significant down markets and you're continuing to take money out of those, well, you're or not, even relatively flat markets and you're still pulling money out or relatively flat yeah. markets. Yeah. You can, you just erode the future purchasing power because mm-hmm. there's not as many left. Um, so even if you can have, you know, you can choose the index that performed the best over the 20 years, but if it has too much volatility in it and you're taking money out of it, you know, meaning the highs are really high and the lows are really low and you're taking money out of it, you can still run out of dollars, even though it was one of the better performing indexes. From point to point. From point to point. So, you know, what you're saying is from point to point, it was the best one, but because of the volatility 
was there. We still ran out of money because of the volatility. Right. Those prolonged yep. down stretches. Yeah. And so you 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 really need to you know, diversification. One of the main goals is to help clip off those low end, big, massive, prolonged sell offs. Mm -hmm. Because um, that is a big risk. And it's also frustrating as a saver, saver when you're getting in those prolonged, you know, yeah. I put a dollar in and it's now worth 90 cents and I put $2 in and now it's worth a dollar. And mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's frustrating. Yes. And it can be really discouraging. And so it's balancing those, balancing not only this saving side, but the, the spending side as well. And, and, you know, we always talk about the family money. So that the other part of that is, you know, it's okay to have some part of your portfolio uh, be speculative in nature. Yeah. You know, if you're wired that you want to do home runs, well, that's okay. You know, get get your base covered. Make sure the math works, and and that you're you're going to be able to retire comfortably. Uh, and then if you want to take some flyers, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I do that on occasion. It's just like, oh, that sounds really good. Most of the time, it doesn't really work out for me. But <laughs> but I'm not. You know, I'm not investing what we call the family money, the core money, the money that you're going to rely on for the rest of your life. I mean, uh, maybe there's a little bit of gambler in all of us. And and the, the problem is that some people like to do the gambling first and the saving later. Yes. They think, well, when I hit it big, I'll, you know, I'll, 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 I'll save. And it, it, it just never works out because you just never build up enough capital to do that. And, and hitting a home run is just, it's like playing the lottery. It's just so rare that you can't, you just can't count on it. Well, there's, there's great companies out there, private equity, venture capital that, that acknowledge that that's what you're trying to do. We're taking a hundred, 200, 500 small bets and then, the two and, you know, 99% of them are going to zero, mm -hmm. but the 1% that make it, you know, we expect those to go through the moon, but it's, you've got, you know, yeah. a few hundred losses on yeah. there as well. And so it's, it's a different way to look at it, but what you're, how you're controlling your risk there is, is you're diversifying across a bunch of different ideas, even mm -hmm. then. Um, and, and then in the hopes that, you know, two or three work out and significantly outperform and when it works, it works. Yeah. Um, and so, but there's kind of the main areas to invest in that we typically see are, you know, easy to get to is obviously real estate. Most people's largest real estate holding is their home. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so that, you know, you got, if you're still got a mortgage, it can be, uh, you know, or if it's fully paid off, that can be a good hedge kind of against everything else. But potentially, obviously, homes do move around in prices, you know, 08, 09, you see that. Um, but that's, you know, there's real estate uh, holdings. Uh, there's farmland. Um, but one thing that you see on, on public equity side is, is there's U.S. companies based businesses, but mm -hmm. there's also international businesses. You know, there's businesses all over the world. And so you, you probably should own some of both. Mm -hmm. um, we're fans of owning both. You know, there's great U.S. companies and there's great companies not based in the U.S. And those, those um, they work on a kind of a different cycle, too. Lately, you know, for probably, I don't know, the last 15 years, uh, the, the U.S. markets have been, um, you know, really strong, really, really, really strong, strong relative to uh, international companies. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember in the 90s for a while, uh, man, it was just it was all international. It, you know, you just had to have that international in your portfolio and. And so it's going to change at some point. You know, mm -hmm. at some point, the valuations on uh, international companies are just far more attractive than the United States. And, uh, you know, I don't know when it's going to turn. It could turn tomorrow. It could, 
be another, you know, years and years. We just don't know. Yeah. And so not so diversification across countries mm-hmm. as well as diversification across size. Yeah. You know, if, if the the large mega cap tech has been the driver for mm-hmm. a long time now. It's not. But if you look through past market cycles, you know, GE once dominated and they don't dominate anymore. And, you know, there's companies come in and out of favor for, yes, you know, they, for do. What they can do. And so not only you want to own some big, you want to own some medium and you want to own some small because you can get different growth at different times for each of those companies through each, you know, through each market cycle. So when it comes to stocks, as well as bonds, which are just debt instruments, uh, you're lending the company money, but you want to be diversified in, in both ways. In and out of the U.S., different sizes, and that can help kind of build that a little more robust of a portfolio. And commodities are the same thing. There's a lot of commodity markets out there. Uh, you know, everything from gold and silver to uranium and lithium, and you know, on and on and on. And beans, soybeans and corn. Soybeans and corn. And, <laughs> you know, getting some exposure to those different areas can be helpful as well because those usually can zig when others are zagging, and um, but often they could be a big drag on your portfolio for a number of years, like international has been. Um, so, it, it, but it's, there's a lot of different options on there. And as you can spread about, as you, as you spread your dollars out through those different areas, you're just taking less concentrated risk that us large cap tech will continue to be the space to be not saying it won't be not saying it will be right. Just it's, that is a concentrated bet you're making. If you stay, you know, all us, all large, which, uh, is a very you know common and crowded. The problem thing. is everybody seems to be concentrated there, and and it and it works great until it doesn't, and then when it doesn't, it gets ugly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and and then I think uh, that as you diversify across all these different areas, you're just spreading your risk as much as you can, which allows peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Helps generally over time. That's it's a great way to preserve capital. In our personal opinion, it's a great way to sleep at night. Yeah, because when one's working. You know, if something's not working, usually something else is. Right. Which is which is which is nice to be able to just kind of smooths out the bumps. Yeah. So, uh, anything else you want to add on any of these buckets? No, I, I you know, I think uh, you know maybe one last comment is just sometimes people get um, really concentrated on just where their wealth is. Like you know, a classic example that you mentioned earlier is like a farmer. You know, farmers, you know, are kind of poor to start with, and then they buy land and they you know, keep going and buy land and keep going and, and they get to the end of it and, and they own a lot of land. Uh, but a, most times they don't spend a lot of time, you know, diversifying, you know, having an IRA and, and having some stocks and bonds and things like that. And same with a business owner, you know, a business owner plows money, they pay taxes, they keep plowing money in their business, they grow their business, they have a successful business, they have a lot of employees and they get to, you know, age 65 and, and sometimes they don't have a lot of cash set aside. And so, you know, you can get concentrated a lot of different, a lot of different ways. And uh, we're just fans of, I mean, I love business ownership. I, I'm a business owner and, and uh, I, my family is in the farming and and, you know, I love uh, land and, and farming and things, but uh, it's just good to, you know, make sure, just kind of look at your situation and make sure that you're, um, you know, that you're, 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 you're kind of spread out a little bit if you're, if you are a business owner or a farmer and just make sure that your, your income sources and your wealth accumulation is, is somewhat diversified. Yeah. I think those are all great points. If you want to talk about your specific situation, you know, this is all just education to help kind of build the framework. If you want to talk about your specific situation, as always, please reach out. Thanks for listening. 
Thank you for tuning in and listening to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, visit us at ascendinvestment.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter to keep you up to date. See you in the next episode. Kessler, Norman, and Ride, LLC, DBA, Ascend Investment Partners is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where our firm and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Ascend Investment Partners unless a client service agreement is in place. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice, performance data, or recommendations that any particular security, portfolio of securities, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any specific person. This program is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. All opinions contained in this podcast are subject to change at any time without notice. To determine which, if any, investments may be appropriate for you, please consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this podcast is not guaranteed of future results. As always, please remember that all investing involves risk and possible loss.